Haul the roll and go. Where am I to go, meet Johnny? Where am I to go? For I'm a young and a sailor lad, and where am I to go? And welcome to Where Am I to Go? Today we are in Deer Lodge, Montana. We are at the Montana Auto Museum, which is part of the prison museum and the yesterday's playthings museum they're all four different parts uh we were with heather through the prison museum and today we are with sherm who has uh, is a curator of the auto museum he also said that he owns about 90 of the cars that are in this museum it's an honor to be here with sherm and to be able to take this tour uh if you want to know more about deer lodge we talked a lot about deer lodge in the prison uh, episode about the surrounding areas, things to do here, and Deer Lodge is just a really cool place just off of I-90 and halfway between Butte and Missoula. So come on, Sherm, let's go get started on the cars. So as we as we walk through the museum, it's chronologically. Okay. So we start here. This is the 1903. That's the first production model automobile that Henry Ford produced. And now was this done on assembly line Yes, format? first one. The very first the assembly first, line. First year, okay. 1903. Now was he making cars prior to 1903? Yeah, but not. they were more like a, a horse and buggy type thing. Okay. But this is the first production model. This particular one is serial number 101. 101, and okay. So to my knowledge there are only three of them left in existence wow so this one belongs to my wife and i and this this car is just a basic car it's got a front seat a back seat a steering wheel a the, squeeze uh rubber horn right under the seat is a little eight horsepower motor and if you looked on the other side there's a crank that's how they started they started it, it from the back uh -huh. seat no from the side from the side oh okay there's a Right there, see the little oh, crank? Oh, okay. Yeah, it sits underneath that yep. seat. Yeah. It's a gasoline motor, eight horsepower. And it, it looks a lot like buggy construction as far as the, yep. the seats look like Dr. Buggy seats. Called this a tonneau, this back seat. A lot of them were just single-seated. but Okay. And the wicker baskets and all that, that's all original stuff. And had a top speed of about 30 miles an hour, that seat. Yep. And then this is a hard, only hard wheeled one we have. It, it's um, Saks and um, 1907. Same thing. Little engine under the seat. It looks like they basically took a. This is a, a transition from a buggy yeah. to a car. It looks just like they had a buggy and yeah. they put uh, an engine. Put a motor in it. Yeah, and it's got the, the springs. The suspension on that goes from front to from front axle to back axle yeah. all the way. Mm -hmm. How does that ride? Have you have you actually had he, this one he, out? I haven't driven it, but uh, it rides good because it's got suspension under it. And okay. um, and the the radiator. So that's a liquid cooled mm -hmm. engine in this mm -hmm. one. And the radiator's quite interesting looking. It's uh, got the coils, coils straight up and down, running down, up yeah. and down. vertical instead of horizontal. And what kind of light did this have? Was that a acetylene? Those light? are um, um, no kerosene type. Kerosene. Same oh. with these. Okay. Cool. And then 
we get up into the teens. And, and they definitely start looking a lot more like cars they instead did. of like buggies. And the history of this, these in here, um, they come out of a museum down in Texas. Okay. And um, an individual was getting up in age and he called me and he said, you know, would you be interested in my cars? Because none of my kids are interested. And I said, well, send me some pictures. And he sent me pictures. And I said, yeah, I'd, I would take some of them. So we bought the 1903, this one, this one, this one. Can you, can you tell me what they are as you're saying this yep. one and this one? You've got the 1912. This is a Buick. And this is a 1913 Cadillac. This is what you would have saw the elite People right, and this is really cool. It's got a it's got a roof cover on it. It does, but it's got leather straps coming down to uh to uh, hold the top deal to hold the top forward. I guess I guess the Buick has uh, leather straps also. I don't know that I've really seen that before. Yeah, that's just to hold the the top from blowing off, basically. Yeah, but this one, like I said, would be a unique for the era because it's a Cadillac. And a few of the features that I like is, you see this? That's right. the exact same thing that Cadillac uses for an emblem today. Right. And then he's pointing out the headlights here that are probably 10-inch diameter headlights. In the, and in the glass of the headlight, it has the Cadillac uh, V-type yeah. symbol. And yeah. this particular car, you know, back then... Uh, they had flat tires just continually, so all the cars carried spares, and this one is not is not unlike all the rest, except under the hood right here, hooked to the water pump, is a little air compressor. In 1913 on a Cadillac. In 1913, so that they didn't have to get out there and right. air up their tires like this. The people that owned these, they didn't like that, didn't like getting out, and so they... Um, and you always saw people in that era with coveralls on because they're dusty and everything else. But this one has an air compressor in there. Also has batteries and electric start. Oh, really? Along with the crank. So were they one of the first to come out with mm -hmm. electric start? Early on. Okay. And something else I'm noticing here is that uh, these here are all right-hand drive right-hand steering wheels. Yeah. Okay, what is the reason for the right-hand? I, 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 I read it in, in one of my car magazines. I think I yeah, read it in a Hemmings Classic uh, I think car. that I have no idea other than back then they were all single-lane roads. In fact, they were just trails. Actually, it's coming that, back to me now. Things, things are really hard to come back yeah. to me sometimes. But you know what they said is that buggies and all of that, they drove from the right-hand uh -huh. side. And since the driver sat in the right-hand side, they when they started coming out with the, with the cars, they were driving on the right-hand side. That's, that, that is why they were yeah. right-hand drive, just to just, put in, just to just put in your deal, or at least that's what were they used said. To it. Yeah, mm -hmm. and then they turned it over to the uh, left-hand yeah. because... At 1903 out front, that one steered with a stick. So okay, so it didn't have a steering wheel. There no steering, steering wheel on that. And now going back to the tires real quick, I read a book uh, that was written by Eddie Rickenbacker. And he, was, he, he owned the, 
uh, Indianapolis Speedway at one point in time, but he was talking about the early days of racing. And it always took two people when they were racing because one person had to run an oiler to make sure that the top end of the engine was oiled. And so he was always coming Uh over the front to oil the the engine. And then he was also talking about having to watch the tires. And you were mentioning that they were always having flats, but he said that the tires were colored, or at least in his, in his book, he was saying that the colors were tired and that, or the tires were colored and that as they were running, if they went from blue to red or red to blue or something like that, you knew that you were running out of tread, you were going to have a flat right away. And so while they were racing, that was the navigator's job was to keep track of the tires and the oiling and all of that, because he said that getting a hundred miles out of a set of tires was pretty Pretty rare. And I I don't know if you've had much experience that way or heard much. I haven't heard. I've never heard that, but it, it, it kind of makes sense, I guess. I don't know why their tires weren't lasting. There's anymore. a mixed batch here. You know, you've got the Cadillac, the Buick, the Hupmobile, and this is a Ford, and that's the Hupmobile. The Hupmobile. What was the story with the Hupmobile? I don't know the history of it. It, it was tied. Most of these were tied to different auto manufacturers, and they turned into something else afterwards, you know. Like this one here. He was a former employee of Oldsmobile and mm-hmm. Ford. Okay. And so then they wanted to compete. They built one that was very similar to the Fords. Right. But competed for a short period of time. Couldn't afford to try to compete with Henry Ford. The thing that's that's amazing about a lot of these old companies is there were so many of them. I there mean, were. There every every bicycle manufacturer mm-hmm. turned into or, or buggy manufacturer turned into an auto manufacturer yeah. at some point in time well over 100 150 different manufacturers now this ford right here it's a what is it it's a i don't see the plaque on it but it's got a horn it's right here that sits off to the side of the steering wheel and the the air part before it gets to the to the horn horn uh-huh. Uh, from the squeeze bo- uh, from the squeeze tube, the the rubber squeeze tube is probably what five foot long. <laughs> this is a nineteen ten torpedo runabout. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you cool notice that this car. one does have the wheel on the left side, right? And then this um, this one here, this Detroit Electric has a history that I picked it up. It's set down in the Virginia City Theater. Oh, really? For over 50 years in the lobby. Wow. And okay, then, now let's, let's back up just a little bit here. You said this is a Detroit Electric. Detroit Electric. What year are we looking at? 1914. 1914. Okay, now, folks, I'm going to go off on a little bit of a rampage. This happened the first time I came to this museum, probably... Eight ten years ago, I'm standing here looking at an electric car from 1914, and the thing that's amazing about this is it, it the speed was what uh, 25 30 miles yeah. an hour. The car is bigger than a Model T. Yeah. Uh, it went 80 miles between charges at 25 to 30 miles an hour, but they say that. Uh, in a company-sponsored test, this car went 211.3 miles on a single charge. Now, 
we had electric cars in uh -huh. 1914. Actually, I've done some research. We had electric cars. The very first movable vehicle was a mine car in like 1870 mm -hmm. or 1860. And so we've had these electric vehicles around. In fact, the first land speed records in the early 1900s were all done with electric vehicles. Mm -hmm. And Henry Ford's wife owned an electric vehicle. And she wouldn't drive anything but an electric. And why is that? One thing, she was afraid of the internal combustion engine. Okay. She didn't like to have to crank it or even think about cranking it to so get it started. So you were able to just jump in this thing and go? You just go. There's a battery pack in the front and a battery pack in the rear. And you just get in it and go. And is this this is driven with a stick or with a steering with wheel? With a stick. With a stick. And, and this, is you might say, is where the cliche of the backseat driver came from. Okay. Because you see the stick? Right. The long stick steers it. The other stick was your forward and reverse drive. And you got one in the back seat. So you could drive it from either seat. And what would the purpose of driving I have it no idea other than if somebody was too big, they wouldn't fit in the front seat. Maybe they get it in the back. Or it was take over for a while while I'm... Well, I'm sleeping. ...watching the scenery, but... Um, it drives from either front or rear. It's fully enclosed. Which was kind of an oddity for, for Very odd. Time. It looks like Cinderella's carriage, actually. Right, yes. And fully enclosed, and the windows are roll up and down. And did it have electric lights? It had electric it lights? Has, it has the, the battery, gas light, battery instead of the, lights. Instead see? of the kerosene mm -hmm. lights or, or uh, acetylene sure, lights. Sure, because it has battery. Yeah. yeah, this is just totally amazing, and it blew my absolutely blew my mind when I yeah. saw this thing. I just stood here and marvel because and the size of the tires. See how high they are. Yes. So and wider, so that they roll easier. And okay. And and they kind of I, I think what probably 1916 1918 was about the last year of production for the Detroit mm -hmm. well for most of the electric yeah. vehicles mm -hmm. and from what I understand the reason that they lost favor was they came out with the electric start which in mm -hmm. 1913 Cadillacs mm -hmm. developed mm -hmm. and because of the electric start people were able to get in their car and crank, crank the engine yeah. over without having to get out and do the hand crank thing yeah and so then. From what I understand, the marketing changed from uh, the electric cars being futuristic or the way to go. It became the women's car. Mm -hmm. And when the man was buying the car for the household, why did he want a woman's car? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Henry Ford had no choice. She wouldn't drive anything but. Okay. This is a sharp looking car. This 32 Plymouth Coupe. Mm -hmm. 32 Plymouth. Now, was this part of your acquisition from? That one is not. That own, uh, that's owned by uh, an individual, actually, that, that manages the hospital out here. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful car. Mrs. Hudson. 1929 Hudson. These cars are all just beautiful. You know, I look at these cars, and to me, they're works of art. Yeah. Uh, it's just amazing, the design, the the things that they did to, to make these door handles and the way that the tires and the spare tire straps on and the lights and the hood ornaments. 
it's, the, it's like going to an art museum to me. And the um, innovations from one year to another in five years, look at what kind of tires you got. Right. Are very Big white walls. Very similar to what you'd see today, except that they're not radial, they're the bias. But Right. We've got a 32 Ford Phaeton. We've got 1941 Packard. Again, the Packard company was around for mm-hmm. a lot of years. Lot Their of slogan years. was, ask the man that owns one. Mm-hmm. And uh, 1910 Overland, one of 15,000 produced in Toledo, Ohio, with a four-cylinder engine. And again, Overland went out of business, or were they, were, were they acquired by another company? They were probably, most of them were all bought up by another company and then either just did away with, or this was a, I think it was a uh, transport in the park. That's what it looks like. Yeah. In it, it 1913, was. it had uh, Delco electric lights and starter. And this is a 1913 coal. Mm-hmm. I have never heard of the coal. Yeah, just another one of those odd ones that went away, but I think they used it as kind of a small bus for. It's got two seats and then two little swivel mm-hmm. seats that are like kid seats yeah. or, or something in between uh, the front seat and the back seat. And we're located here on the Yellowstone Trail. Okay. Right out where the parking lot is. Right. And that old bridge. Right. That's part of the original transcontinental they called it the Yellowstone Trail, but it was the only highway from Plymouth Rock to Puget, to Puget Sound. Puget Sound. And, and it went right, right to on... Deer Lodge. Yep. Wow. And they called it the Yellowstone Trail because it went through Yellowstone also. Okay. Now, was that, uh, was that also known maybe as the Lincoln Highway or in, fu- in the future? Because it kind of followed that route to some degree. I don't know what it changed into, but originally it was, it was the Yellowstone Trail, and it was just a dirt road, but it crossed over this bridge, this old bridge that's out here, uh-huh. and then it went down the road where the rail track is. And- wow. And then you've got a picture here of, of something that uh, I've seen on uh, YouTube, yeah. they have conventions every year where they take skis these old and Fords tracks. and they put skis on the front and tracks on the yeah. back. And you've got a snow machine uh, out of one of these old Fords. Yeah, yeah what other uh, means of transportation would you have? Because nobody was plowing the roads, that's well, for sure. Horse and, horse and sleigh. <laughs> that's right, horse and yeah, sleigh. You've got a lot of neat old pictures here that uh, early truck at a picnic. That tell the stories. Yes. Okay, then we're coming into another gallery. This is one of Henry Ford's. He believed, this is called a farmer tractor. And it's just a Model T that he had these steel wheels built for. So you could actually farm with it. And it's got a pickup bed on the back. Mm -hmm. It's just got the front seat. But yeah, these, if you've ever seen the old tractor tires that have the big gears in them and... uh, Cleats and the on cleats them. on them. They're, the wheels are all steel. See the gear driven? And it's gear driven down there, yeah. Off of the differential. So it's got, it's got your differential with the gears on it, and then it has a separate axle on the back yeah. that, uh, that has the farm tractor. I bet that thing would go almost anywhere. It would. And you could pull these out, pull it off, 
pull the gear off and put the tire on. And then and have a pickup it's truck. It's a regular pickup truck. And what year is this? That's got to be a 1920. 1920. Pretty good. Form a tractor. Mm-hmm. Wow. I this bought is designed for use with Model T Fords was this stod make a tractor this was a conversion kit along with several other makes it remained popular for several years as the poor man's tractor the various models sold for around 225 bucks the idea looked good but these car tractor conversion kits were so unsuccessful that today it's difficult to find one even as a museum piece but it's here in your museum yeah this is one of them that i acquired from the town museum when the IRS sold the Tau Museum off. Okay. Yeah, this used this to be one. called the For the Tau Ford, Ford Museum. Museum. And uh, I was, I think, in Sacramento, California, or it may have there, been in Reno, Nevada. One. And they were talking about how they had acquired a lot of the cars from that Well, so he actually had this museum and the one in Sacramento. Okay. And they were almost duplicate cars. Any in the two of them. Okay. And the IRS, when they came in, foreclosed on him and auctioned them off. They had the auction right here, and and they were going to auction as many cars as it took to satisfy what he owed them. And it started out as a fairly fairly small amount, but it ended up in the three and a half million dollars, three point oh, six million, with all the penalties and interest and but he and of course he had the assets he did and this was part of them we got a 1917 model t and a 24 model t roadster and then the chevy chevy superior coupe the 27 chevy sedan this per- and by, by the 20s, they were closing in the cabs to they where were. not mm-hmm. everything was open. So it had to have been... Did they have heaters in most of these? Mm-hmm. They did have heaters. This particular one... We're talking the 1927 yeah. Chevy sedan. And uh, I acquired it out of Wyoming. And it was actually a police car. When oh, really? I, when I bought it, it still had the star on the door before I restored it. And what town in Wyoming? Oh, I'm trying to think... Eventually, it ended up in Evanston, Wyoming. Okay. But, uh, that's not the town it came out of. And I, um, it's got the siren and everything still on it. And I restored it. The interior is original, but the rest has been restored. Well, that's pretty cool. We have a, That's the kind of car that was chasing Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, close to <laughs> it. Yep. We got a 30 Model A coupe, just a single seat. Yeah, this one's kind of out of sequence because we go, and what people don't understand that 1903 out there was a Model A Ford. Okay. Then he went to the S and the T and the K, and then, or the, the T come after the S and the K and the then he bought. Then he went into the T's because he wanted everybody to be able to afford a car. Right. So he built them all black, very basic, like you see back right. there. And you've got the list price on that one. And they were they were selling for what five six hundred dollars. Yeah. 
Oh, list price, $265. Yeah, he wants. Which is still a lot of money nowadays. Everybody but. to be able to own a car. And then you've got an old. Uh, These are all Model A. Model A pickup. Pickups. Wow. You, you don't see them like this one much. This is a convertible pickup. It is. And what year is it? It's, it's a, a 29. 29 Roadster pickup. Mm -hmm. That's a sharp looking car or truck. Yeah. And then you've got a picture of one over here that somebody converted into a motorhome. <laughs> yeah. That, that's pretty neat. It's a Model T camper. Deer Lodge 1920. Now, is that did he home make that or was Ford producing some he of those? Homemade. He homemade. Built that over a truck. Over, um, model, model T truck. Okay, now we got a display with all kinds of gauges and wrenches and light bulbs. All the, yeah, there's a head in there. All the different gauges and this collectible parts, just basically yeah. horns. Wow, in original boxes, even. Mm -hmm. There's an old hand pump and a crank. Oh, no, that'd be a lug wrench, I guess. Yeah. Then we get into a little bit more classy here. This is the got a 1928 Hupmobile four door. This is the late Model A. 31 Model A sedan. Mm -hmm. Now, my editor, Steve, the guy that edits all of this, he's got a fully restored Model A. Uh, I think his is a... What's your brother's car? 29 or 30? 30. It's a 30. Yeah. yeah 29 no. and 30 were very popular. and But you notice how much they all look the same? And this is a Chevrolet. Right. That's a Studebaker. Well, <laughs> now you come Ford. to nowadays, you can't tell any of them. No. There's, same yeah, thing. Everything looks exactly the same on the Everybody road. Everybody copied Henry Ford because they were so popular. Well, you got a Woody here. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about they, Woodies, we're, we're talking about a, a Model A station wagon that's... This is a hack. Oh, this one's the hack? I think that's what they call them. Okay. And you've got your front end that look that's made all out of steel, mm -hmm. like the normal Model A, and then the back part is all made out of oak. But it's a three-seater. Yes, it is. And it's got doors for the back seat. It's basically, I guess, mm -hmm. the starting of the minivan. Yeah. But uh, but it's really cool to see all the wood that they the woodwork that they did on them instead mm -hmm. of doing steel bodies. Yep. Oh, this DeSoto is a sharp-looking car, too. we got a 1930s DeSoto Deluxe. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how much room that they had like for the back yeah, seat. Is. Maybe, yeah, the kids, were, maybe the kids were just as obnoxious back then, and you well, had to get them further were, away from the driver. These were maybe a little bit more of the... You're getting up in towards the gangster right. era, and they had lots of room in the back seats, and... I picked that one up in uh, an auction sale down in, uh, oh, in Arizona. Then this one we built in our restoration shop. In it's fact, a I bought it. Model A two door. Bought it out of the town museum, and it used to be lime green, and so I okay. restored it back to its original condition and color. And now all three of these uh, have the rumble seats in them. Yep. And the rumble seat, just if somebody doesn't know, it's it's a trunk lid that lifts up, mm -hmm. and there's a seat sitting back there. So 
the driver and passenger are in the cab of a two seat uh, of a one seat car that holds two people and then you could pop the back up and and yeah. have the wind in your hair or the rain in your face. Well, I'm sure that when it was raining, it wasn't pleasant with all the draft coming off the top of the hood. But. This one's rather unique over all the others. It's a cabriolet, and it's a slant window. The windshield right. slants instead of straight up and down. And why did they do that? Um, it was just a, oh, supposedly aerodynamic, thing but um they've did they made very few of them i i we just got through restoring this one it's beautiful car we restored about i think i brought it in here maybe oh two or three months ago oh so it's just been so we just finished it it actually belonged to my wife's brother and he in coal strip and he got started on it but all he did is got it tore apart and it was scattered all over and i know how to do that he could never finish it so <laughs> he asked me if i'd be s- interested in finishing it and i said yeah i'll finish it i got several products that are or projects that are in that that stage and getting them put back together is always a lot tougher than taking them apart yes it okay is. now you've got a, a gas station here it looks like a service station with a lot of the old a lot of the old uh, parts in it. Old parts, mm-hmm. the old oil jars and, and battery chargers and you name it, it's in there. Oil and testing machines and yeah. A little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. And then you've got a an old uh, I'm guessing this is a farm truck, grain truck, one ton yeah. grain truck, nineteen Model T. Now does it have the it has a single wheels on the back i've mm-hmm. seen some of those with the double yeah duels the dualies a 1928 international grain truck and a 1937 hudson power dome engine which is a six cylinder i'm assuming yeah and the transmission's hooked onto it you got a couple of feet warmers down here yeah <laughs> those are uh kind of a triangular box that uh, you would heat up the brick on the wood stove or mm-hmm. whatever and then put it in there and close it yeah. up and then you put your feet on it and maybe stay warm in some fashion this is where you would have saw the gangsters ah. this is a Franklin 1932 Franklin and um, it's air it's an airflow it's, it, it, yes there's no radiator. Now, is this a six-cylinder engine? Yep. And they they preferred them because, you know, you could shoot all you wanted in there, and you're not going to put them out of commission. Right. Because they're airflow. It's an airflow. They call it airmen. Now, I went to the Franklin Museum down in Tucson, Arizona. Uh-huh. I was before I was doing the podcast, so I don't have the podcast, but that museum was absolutely amazing. Uh, pers- every tour is personally guided. Have you been to that museum? I have not. Well, uh-huh. if you ever get down Tucson way, you need to go, but to- but they had a 12-cylinder air-cooled engine. Uh-huh. And uh, of course they have real ornamental grills where the radiator should go so it would be deceiving, you know. Yeah. You would think that you could shoot out the radiator, but uh the Franklin was just way ahead of its time and and the air See how much room there is in the back oh, seat yeah. of that thing. 
That one's got what? Six feet in the back seat. You got lots of leg room. Yeah, lots of lots of room. A nineteen thirty-two Nash. <laughs> I didn't know when Nash started. All I've ever seen is the is the bathtubs. Yeah. And then you got another farm, uh, an REO speed wagon farm truck. That's Where did that group get their name? Right from there. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. REO speed wagon is where they got their name. Yep. That's a beautiful truck. This one I bought out of Butte, Montana, and it, it was used for many, many years hauling refuge from the restaurants up to the pig farms. Okay. And... I got a friend of mine called me and asked me, would you be interested in my uncle's truck? He died and it's in the garage. And and I said, you know, I really don't want to do any more trucks. And But I said, I'll come and take a look at it. And uh, I can tell you about what the value is. Maybe we can find some place uh, where you could sell it. So I drove over to Butte and it was in his garage and it had been up on blocks since World War II. Oh, <laughs> needless to say, you didn't find and, another buyer. And it was all intact. And was, except, it, was it needing restored? Or? Oh, yeah, it needed to be restored. The box was gone. and I mean, it was there, but it was all rotted and so on. So I bought it from him, brought it home, and restored it and back to its original condition. It's beautiful. Like I said earlier, to me, this is works of art. Uh, Now we've started putting, I've started putting spatterings of what's really popular today is the street rods. Oh, yeah. 38 custom Ford Coupe. Still original body, but the rest of it is not. People really shame, the the purists really shame these street rods. But, they you know, do. I can guarantee if Henry Ford could have figured out how to shove a 700 horsepower it. engine uh-huh. into into his 38 custom coupe, yeah. he'd have done it. This one's all air ride, so I, I can adjust it any direction I want, up or down. And it's got a little Chevy V8 engine in it, and automatic. This one was before its time. This is the DeSoto Airflow, and they only made them for about two or three years, and then they went out of business. But I don't think I've ever seen one of these. This this car is really an interesting-looking car. I'd strongly suggest uh, anybody listening to this to Google the DeSoto Airflow. The grill on this thing is really unusual. The front end's really unusual. Everything about this car is really unusual. It is. It is just really neat. Yes, it's got it's, split windows that, that tip out for mm-hmm. for airflow, I guess. Yeah, lots uh, of room in the back seat. Yeah. It is really a cool looking car. And it's really as, a rounded hood, which which nobody was really doing at that time. Everything was pretty square. No. As all of them, they of mine anyway, most of them, they all have a, their own little story. And this one, um, a guy in Whitehall had um, built it, refurbished it, and he had, oh, six cars in here, I think. And then he died. And um, so 
his vehicles were still in here because his wife was alive. And she called me one day and said, hey, would you be interested in his cars? And I said, well, yeah, I'll come over and see you over in Whitehall. So I, she was probably in her 80s, I think, but pretty sharp gal. And she said, we sat down at the kitchen table and she said, well, what do you think? Because he had 16 other vehicles over there in his garage. And then he had a bunch of them outside that were parts cars for all these ones he had built. Right. And I said, well, I'm interested primarily in the six that are in the museum. And, uh, and that's all. And I said, do you have any idea what you want for him? And she pulled out this piece of paper that he had written before he died with all the prices on them. Well, in a case like that, there's no dicker in or anything right. else. You just look at them, and if they're reasonable, this was one, that black Buick back there. And, and I said, okay, I'll take them. I'll take the six. And, uh, but I said, I'm, I'm not interested in the other stuff you got out there and so forth. And so she said, okay. And I wrote her out the check. And she said, you know, because you are such a nice guy, I'm going to give you those other 16. And I said, no, you're not. I don't want them. And she said, you're going to take them. <laughs> and I had to pay a guy to come in and clean up that whole yard. Of those, because you were such a nice of guy. Those old <laughs> <laughs> and I thought she, you know, she really pulled one on me. <laughs> okay, we got a 1935 Ford V8 Phaeton. Okay, that that probably has the flathead V8 in it. Mm -hmm, and it the does. flathead came out what year? 1931 or two, wasn't it? Or 30. I don't know. I, I was just somewhere in that. that area, in that era. Okay. And, that, and the flathead V8 again was a was mm -hmm. something that really pushed the Fords forward. Yep. That was a that was a big selling. Yeah, this with this thirty eight has a flathead in it. That okay. was and and this this thirty eight is a is another Woody. Yeah. Uh, again, you have got your metal fenders and stuff, and and oak for the main part of the body. And that one was in the Tau Museum. Okay. Totally in pieces. Oh, really? And they had it hanging up on racks because it was dis the, to display how you rebuild or refurbish a vehicle. And so there was none of it done. So did you follow the instructions? I bought, <laughs> I bought it and we put it in the shop and I think it took us five years to restore it but everything in it is original it's got a little tiny little bitty radio in oh there. really in 1938 see it down there yep yep the two little knobs yep and the antenna that there's a knob up there and you flip it and it goes, goes up, up. <laughs> for the radio Wow, you wouldn't have thought that, or I wouldn't have thought that no. the 38 that would have had radios. And then you, over here, you've got a 48. The 48. Woody. And this one, the story behind it, it was purchased brand new from 
by MGM. Okay. And they bought it to make the movies, the beach movies in the 50s. Okay. And early 60s. And then when they got through with it, it was always inside. Always kept it inside. When they got through with it, they uh, sold it to one of the stagehands. Okay. And then he lost it in a poker game. <laughs> wow. And then it ended up in the hands of of a individual from the Department of Revenue for Cal- state of California. And he had it. And then he started driving it as just a beach bum car because he was retired then and uh, he had his surfboards on it and everything. I was going to say, it's got surfboard racks yeah. still on it. And then he uh, he died and it was always housed in though. But of course, him driving it, it was beat up. The metal parts were right. beat up. But the wood was like this. And he, his son ended up with it. And his son lived in Helena. Okay. His son called me up and he said, hey, would you be da- interested in my dad's car? He said, I have no sentimental value to it. And I said, well, send me some pictures of it. And what is it? And he told me and sent me some pictures. And I said, it was in a warehouse down in Southern California. And I said, you know, I'm interested in it, but I don't want to drive clear. I don't want to fly clear down to Arizona or uh, California and look at it. So he said, well, I've, I've been going to bring it up here. And I said, well, if you, I'll pay half the freight, you pay half the freight. If it gets up here and I like what I see, I'll buy it. If I don't, I'm out half the freight and you got your car. So they shipped it up here and unloaded it and it was all intact. The body was a little beat up, but the wood was in good shape. And so we put it in the body shop and refurbished it and that's the history. Wow. <laughs> it's amazing the way some of that stuff comes together. Yeah. It? And so now it... Uh, and I'm just looking at this. This is a, this one here is just unbelievable. LaSalle. This, this 1935 mm-hmm. LaSalle two-door coupe. It's got the vents coming down the side. And this is the, owned the by... The body a, is just super sleek. It's got the suicide doors. This is owned by a gentleman in Helena. Really neat hood ornament. This this is one classy looking yeah. car. What what did it have for an engine? 105 horsepower, 248 cubic inches. Yeah, it, it's yeah. <clears throat> so it wasn't much. It, it wasn't nearly as fast as what it looks. I'm no, sure. uh-uh. it's it's pretty sleek looking car. Now we got a 36 Buick Special Business Coupe. I've always liked the way the business coupe back ends yeah. are, are shaped. And then uh, you've got a 36 Hudson and then a cozy camp pop-up trailer from 1933. <laughs> yeah. Now, isn't that a work of art? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it looks a lot like the modern-day pop-up campers all, except it's not, not much it's different. Just, it, it's just yeah. little tattered and torn, but... Same yeah, old. The same, same basic principle. The lid lifts up and the canvas comes out. Wow. You've got some nice pieces here. You know, everybody who 
tours this museum when I'm around and they happen to, I happen to see them, they say, what's this thing doing in Deer Lodge, Montana? And I said, well, <sighs> that's where I live. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This was part of that woman's collection, this old this Hudson. 49 Hudson. And uh, that was one of the six that I wanted. But it was so funny how she... Uh, <laughs> She knew from the very beginning <laughs> what she was going to do. Thermidor car cooler on this yep. 50 Plymouth. And these, these car coolers are pretty neat deals. I've seen them I a can couple remember of places. When I was a kid, I can remember those. But yeah. they're, they, they attach to your window or they attach to the drip rail? Attached to the drip rail to up the underneath. Drip rail. And they, and, all, and they hang the out the side of the, of the car. And, and then, the air went around, and all it did basically was circulated the air from the outside in and out. But but you thought you were air-conditioned. Uh-huh, yeah. You didn't have to have your windows rolled it was down. A lot better got, than, it was a lot better than rolling the window down. Yeah. And the big old, it's, it's, it's about, uh, it's a tube that's probably six inches in diameter and about, Oh, 16 12, inches long. 16 inches, that it just yeah. hangs on your drip rail right by your window, and as the air comes through, it turns that fan like what he's saying and blows air inside your car. You've got a whole set of, of Lincolns here. You got a oh, this is a Lincoln V12 convertible. It's a beautiful car. And so it has the V12 in it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and what was the displacement on the V12? 305 cubic inches. It's it's amazing yeah. to me when you look at some of these old cars, they got these. V12s, V16s, and they had 300, 350 yeah. uh, cubic inch displacement. And Very little horsepower. Very little horsepower, <laughs> yeah. The horsepower, 130 horsepower. Yeah. You know, you're talking the Chevy 350 uh -huh. has 350 cubic inch, and they can, well, I guess stock they were pushing, yeah. what, 250 mm -hmm. horsepower? Everybody was trying to get the niche, you know. Right. And so they'd come up with something different, and... And then you got a 1950 Mercury Coupe street rod. It's been kind of street rodded. Oh, it's, yeah. it's been chopped, and mm -hmm. uh, that that what chopped means is that the uh, pillars have been cut off, and the top's been lowered. So your your front windshield, instead of being 20 inches tall, is about 12 inches tall. Yeah, it's a very similar car to this one. Yeah, but this one's original, and that one has been chopped. Is a chopped job, and they look cool. Yep. Then you got 51 Packard four-door. Again, we haven't seen a Packard yet, I don't think. No, Packard. Yeah, yeah. you got another Packard There's over one here. Up, Ask up the man front. that owns one. Mm -hmm. Here we go. A 54 Studebaker Land Cruiser. This, this is the first Studebaker we've seen. Yeah, and this one has very few original miles on it. It's not very, it's less than 100,000 miles. Huh. I can't remember what the mileage is, but it's. It's in really nice condition. It is. But it's all original. Studebaker was a really big car manufacturer uh -huh. for a lot of yep. years. And, uh, in fact, you got another Studebaker yep. here. Uh, they used to have some of those with superchargers on them in yep. the early 60s, mm -hmm. I think. I went to the Studebaker Museum in uh, uh, South Bend, Indiana. And... They have the very last Studebaker to have rolled off the line, 1964, sitting in there, along with a lot of their uh, uh, concept cars. And Studebaker, at one point in time in the early 60s on the Lark, they were debating about putting Porsche engines in them. 
Hmm. So I'm walking along and here's a Studebaker with a Volkswagen engine sitting in the back and I'm going, what in the world (laughs) is this? But they they actually toyed with the idea of of merging with Volkswagen a little bit and putting some some air-cooled engines together. Got a 51 Mercury four-door. Ooh, this Pontiac. Pontiac 51. This is another one that somebody died and it ended up in the daughter's hands and then she put it up for sale and I wanted to buy it and we could never come together and then all of a sudden one day she called up and said, do you still want that car? And I said, sure I do. And she said, okay. So we made a deal. And And this has the old, I don't know if I want to call it an Indian or a Native American (laughs) head on the front of the Pontiac. It lights up. It does light up. It does light up. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a hood ornament that, yeah. that kind of comes all the way from the windshield out to it out was the long hook, hood. hooked up with your headlights. With your headlights. You turn them on. And little... it's an amber-colored uh, yeah. Indian head. And, uh-huh. and uh, it's a really neat-looking hood ornament. That's why I put the... These per- cars were so beautiful. Personalized plate on Oh, did you? <laughs> Chieftain. Yeah, there you go. But it is a chieftain. It's a it's a Pontiac chieftain coupe. It is. And, and uh-huh. you know something else that's really cool about uh, a lot of these cars from this time period is the amount of chrome, the yeah, amount of shine on the on the all the interior yeah. parts, yeah. The exterior parts. Now you're entering my realm. Your realm. <laughs> this is this one you mean, or this <laughs> one? This is my room. This is my room. Also, oh. I grew up with. A 55 two-door hardtop Chevrolet that I had all through high school. I had three different engines in it, three different paint jobs. So these are my favorites. So my wife and I... Every era is beautiful until you get to 19, what, 80? (laughs) Yeah, my wife and I own all of these. All of them. Mm-hmm. We got two fifty-five Chevys here. Three. Uh, then we go into fifty-six. Matching colors. One's yes, convertible. They are. One's They're red and white with top. all the chrome. Convertible hard top. This one, this fifty-six, came stock from the factory with two AFB four barrels on it. Two, two. four barrels. Dual fours. Wow. Yep, 56 Bel Air convertible, 56 Bel Air two-door hardtop, 57 Bel Air. And we got a Nomad. Right there. The Nomads have always been one of my absolute favorite cars. I picked that one up at an auction in uh, Jackson Hole, Wyoming. That's beautiful. Black. The 56 Bel Airs are are black and yellow, both painted up the same. They called them the Bumblebee. Color. Bumblebee is that? Mm-hmm. That's a stock color. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then this one is probably the nicest one in here. This fifty-seven yeah. Bel Air. This one convertible. They're all original. Okay. But this one, uh, every it, it scored like nine hundred and ninety. What was it? Nine hundred ninety-eight out of it. Yeah, nine hundred ninety-nine out of a thousand. Wow. By Super Chevy. And it, it, 57, that was when they put the fuel injection on them. Okay. In the Corvettes. Right. Then they started to put them in the big cars. 
This is the number six or number five fuel injection. Okay. I did not realize that they were putting fuel injection yeah. in these things in 57. Yep, they're fuel injected. <laughs> and we're opening the hood. Oh, now isn't that interesting? That is really interesting. Yeah. The fuel injection, the air cleaner sits off to the uh, driver's side, and then the carburetor, well, it's not carbureted. No. This isn't an EFI. No, it's this fuel is, This injected, is full-blown fuel injection. Fuel injected. And everything choose. comes on over into the into the intake manifold and yeah what is what's this canister on the other side is that a pressure tank or is that the fuel that's pump? just part of the fuel pump system for the fuel injection wow this was the and first this is stock yep stock in 57 this is this number six fifth five or six fuel injection let's see and this is a convertible and it was the number 18 that was the 18th body to come off the assembly line. Wow. In Lansing. That's, and the license plate says Fuel E. Uh-huh. Wow. And this one also is fuel injected. Really? And that one's also fuel injected. So you got 357 Chevys. You've got two of them are convertibles. One of them's red with just lots of chrome. The other ones are, what color of blue is that? It's kind That's of a, a turquoise, turquoise blue. Turquoise blue. And, uh, and one of them is a convertible. One of them is a hard top. Oh. And the history behind, or part of the history behind these 357s and that 155 convertible over there is that gentleman, I've got that memorial. Uh-huh. He was from Butte, Montana. And he was a 55, 56, 57 uh, fanatic, just like I am. And he, he had these all built by a professional restoration shop. Wow. And then prior to his death, he come over with this one. This was his favorite and wanted to know if I wanted to buy it. And I said, sure, I do. And so we made a deal, and I can remember when he rolled it out of the trailer and tears were coming down his cheeks. Oh, and, I'll bet. And because he had cancer. And he then after he died, then his wife came to me a year or so later, and she said, you know, I don't want the kids to end up with any of these cars because they won't take care of them. They'll sell them. And so I bought all he had. Wow. Put them in here. Uh, and yeah, this is beautiful. It's it's nice that I, I like to see collectors like you have these things on display because you know e even museums. I went to I went to the museum in Hershey, Pennsylvania, yeah. which is a really neat museum. They've got six or seven of the what's the car with the headlight tuckers. Yeah. They got six or seven tuckers there. That's their big claim to fame. I walked around there and I said. Yeah, never put a van in a place like this. And the guy says, well, we have a van. Huh. I says, you've got a van. Where would that be? He says, well, it's down in our basement. I says, down in your basement. Can a person go down and see that? And he said, well, uh, for an extra 10 bucks, you can. <laughs> I says, here's my 10 bucks. Let's go. Well, we have to have a special guy take you down there and show you these things. Yeah. I said, okay, well, here's my 10 bucks and let's go see it. So. Uh, they gave me my own personal guide because we had to go down there. And just down in the warehouse, 
in the basement. They've got all the cars that anybody donates. If if somebody donates a car, an estate donates a car, yeah. they have to hold it for three years yeah. before they can determine what they're going to do. And in order to keep the doors open to the museum, they'll either sell them at the Carlisle auction yeah. or something like that in order to get the money. Well, there's all these cars. There, there was more cars in the basement than what there was in the museum. Uh-huh. And they, it wasn't organized. It didn't have the nice little ropes, but the cars were absolutely fantastically amazing. And all I know is every time I go to a car show or a car museum, I say, where's the basement? Yeah. And I give you 10 yeah. bucks and go see the basement because that's yeah. where the good stuff is. That is a fact. And, and, you know, and then these private collectors buy all this stuff that they sell to keep their yeah. museum going that was donated. Uh, and it goes into a private collection and it's never seen again. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, uh, it is sad. And I love to see that, that, you've, that you've put this all together and, and have it open to the public to where we can see these. This things. particular wow. one is not all stock this no is the but street. it's pretty this is the street rod we built over in our shop and it's got a 502 with nitrous oh really and so it's slow it, it's very <laughs> it's very slow wow it's uh so do you take it to anaconda to the to the drag strip i don't <laughs> you know <laughs> i used to take it to car shows and now i just bring it in brought it in here for displaying this is kind of like the ultimate car show a daily a daily opportunity yeah we're trying to get it you know to entice the younger folks oh, absolutely. and this thing's a bright yeah. purple uh, a plum purple i guess it was i I, I decided i wanted purple and so my wife and i picked it out then we decided we wanted a purple interior oh and the only one who produced a light purple leather was Porsche. Okay. So we bought the leather from Porsche and an individual over in Clarkston, uh, Idaho, or Washington, Clarkston, Washington. I took the car over there and he built the interior. I told him, I want two bucket seats, but I want them low. I don't want the high back. I want the back seat to look like buckets, but it's a full bench. Right. And he had it for four months, I think, and he called me up and said, your car's done. And I went and looked at it, and it just blew me away because the little details of it were just incredible because he was one of these creative minds, and he built the seats out of fiberglass. Uh Uh-huh. And he custom-made everything. Custom-made everything. Wow. Yeah. And up in the headrest, there's a detail of, it's like three rectangular things, and the same detail is in the door panel. Okay. Or uh, the door panels, yeah. And I thought, how did he ever come up with that? And then it dawned on me one day, when I opened up the door of the 57 Chevy and that metal uh-huh. is the same detail that the uh, okay. he used for the interior and the door panels. That's awesome. Huh. You got a 59 Dodge Coronet over here. And th- this is one of the finned cars. Yeah. It's got the big fins. It's a four-door. And uh, they, they kind of call those bubble tops, don't yep. they? Yep. And then you've got a 
the Soto Fire the Dome, 64 talk, Wildcat. You were talking about Packards. That's a Packard back there. Oh, okay. Wow, I'm, I thought that was a Citron when I first was looking at it from over there. That's really got a strange front end. That's an unrestored one. Wow. What year is that? It's right here. Right there, 58, 58 Packard yeah. Hawk. Boy, that's got a strange looking front end. Again, it's got the it's got the fins. You've got an Edsel. That one, I bought at the Tau Museum or Tau Auction, and that was owned by the first woman congressman. Oh, okay. In the U.S. Congress, she lived here in Montana. And uh, it's got only got about 30,000 miles or now, something. Now, were most of the Edsel's four doors? That's about mm. the only thing I've ever seen. No, I've never seen a two-door Edsel. They make a two-door hardtop. Mm -hmm. Okay. But and, this, um, I'm trying to think what her name was. Uh, now, Edsel was right made there, by Ford. Edsel Rankin. was Ford's son, right? Or grandson. It was... Uh, I was thinking it might have been his brother. Maybe it was his brother. I don't know. I just know that Edsel was tied in. I, th I think it was somebody's son. Well, of course it was somebody's yeah. son. I, that's, that's a pretty broad it, statement. It, might have, but, it uh, might have been his grandson, but I, I thought it was his brother, but I'm not positive. Okay. It'd be, but it wasn't a great success. No. They only had them for three or four no. years. and They weren't very successful. They're not really very... Uh, Highly sought after collectors, even right. Uh, but they are kind of coming on a little bit more. Okay, and then you got your '58 Chevy here, yeah. and they changed the body style quite a bit between the '57 and changed the them a lot. And this, these have the 348 tri pair power, the three car, three carburetors. Oh wow! Look at the size of that air cleaner. <laughs> It was a 348 cubic inch. And it had one air cleaner for all three cars. All three carburetors. That is, that is really interesting. This was the they first. Slanted the, they slanted the windshield quite a bit more on this one, it looks like. Yeah. A little bit lower profile. You know, they weren't all that popular because they were such a great big boat. But they did have a lot of power. And they're pretty classy looking vehicles. It is. In a lot of ways, it's a little bit sleeker than like uh -huh. the 57 as far as, uh, it, it, however yeah. you would use the word sleek. You got a 77 Grand Fury police patrol car, 63 Galaxy XL. Is that a four-door? Yes, it is. Yeah. 63 Thunderbird. I've always liked the Thunderbirds. That yeah. 57 Thunderbird is just... Fifty six is my most your favorite favorite, and that's that turquoise over there. Over there. And this one is a nineteen sixty, and it's got the three forty eight tri power also. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. And it's a convertible also. Mm -hmm. And on these ones, they Only started this, putting the fence sideways instead of this one has the Muncie four speed in it. Oh, really? So this thing was a go-getter. Yeah. All and this is a Chevy Impala is what yep. you got here. Mm -hmm. All of them totally original. You got the Ford Falcon Futura and the 66 Mustang. 
This is one of my, my wife's favorites here. She named this one topless. <laughs> Convertible. <laughs> yeah, that's what we got on the Bright plate. red. And what year is this? 66. It came out with the Mustang in 64. 64 and a half. 64, okay. I've got one of them in my garage at home. <clears throat> oh, do you? Mm -hmm. A convertible. All okay. original. This is the 302. Okay, and the and 69 Ford 19, Mustang. And that little car just flies. It's not quite original. The engine has been blueprinted, and it, it just flies. It's got lots of horses. And then you got the 70 Mach 1. Yeah. Those were quite the cars, too. Yeah. And then and I had a guy inspect that one for originality, uh -huh. who is a Mustang expert. He looked it all over, and he said, everything on that car is absolutely perfect except the alternator, and it's off by a few serial numbers. <laughs> <laughs> oh really? So it's, so this is the numbers matching all the way through, except all alternator. the way through, except the alternator. Wow. And it, it's obviously been changed. Imagine but, that. Yeah. Okay, and then we got the chronologically, this is a '64. I bought this one because that was the year I graduated from high school. <laughs> You know, I've always been really partial to these 64 yeah. and 63 I, and 64 Impalas. Yeah. I just, I think that they're super classy looking cars. And then the Oldsmobile 442. Yeah. Now, is this one here a real 442 with it four is. on the floor, yeah. dual exhaust? And it's, a, it's a 442. Four barrel carburetor. Yeah. They, they really warped that when they started putting automatic transmissions yeah. in them and, and some of that. Uh, but. Convertible. Yep. And I've always really, really liked these these '67 Mercuries, the Cougars. Yes, yeah. those Cougars. I, th I think they took the Mustang and, and improved. Yeah, <laughs> I just like the body style a little bit better. '58 Cadillac Eldorado. Wow. Now that's an interesting looking car. That whole front end. That a, it is. That's real. I, I don't know if I've ever seen one of those before. Yeah. All leather interior, but the hood doesn't come over the front no. of the grill. It opens up back behind, yeah. and the grill sits really low. Yeah. And the bumper is massive. Big boat. That's another one I'd suggest looking up uh, on Google just to see the front end on this thing. It's the 58 Cadillac Eldorado. 70 Oldsmobile Cutlass. That's really pretty. Little Dodge you Dart. You got your Lincoln Continental, 67. The Dodge Dart Swinger. Real pretty lime green with the 340. Those aren't doing anything but jumping in value on uh -huh. a regular basis, are they? Yeah. I think That's, I bought that one at the same auction. I bought that uh, Black 57 Nomad. Okay. Then we got a 67 Camaro, a 68 Camaro Supersport convertible. And this is the Copo that was built for racing, 427. Ride like a truck. Oh, does it? Oh. But it rides fast. Real <laughs> stiff suspension. But Okay, fast. now what is Copo? 
Now, was it the Copo, the Yankos? Okay. You ever I'm heard of that? I'm familiar with the Yankos. In fact, I saw, I, I was driving through Vermont one time. Well, Copo is the same thing. Okay. As the Yanko. Right. All they were was a dealership. Certain dealership named Yanko. Right. They special ordered from Chevrolet, and it put a different striping on them, and they called it the Yanko Camaro. Okay. For that dealership. Right. Same but way that, with But Copo. that dealership, when you're saying special ordered, that dealership would take the Camaro or whatever the car was, and they would order it with the biggest motor that yep. Chevrolet made that wasn't available to anybody it, else. It was the only one that had four disc brakes on it. Right. When the others only had two. And it was just the dealership. It was yeah, the but Anko they special dealership. ordered, and they'd have to make, I think, 100 of them in order uh-huh. to get... And so it was a special order deal. This, like I was saying, yeah. in Vermont, I, I would stop to look at a, at a Corvair van that was parked in somebody's uh, yard. And I was, I was looking or pulled off, and he came out of the house, and he says, oh, well, let me show you something. He pulled me into his garage, and sitting in his garage, he had number three Yanko Corvair, four-barrel carbs, hopped-up engine, uh, he, he said that they were racing in them against Porsches and that type of stuff, and they were smoking on the Porsches at the time. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I think they took them over to Europe and, and took them to a lot of different races, but uh, Yank, he said Yanko had to order 100 of them in order to, to do what he was going to do yeah. uh, to get the special components, the, the hopped-up transmission and, and disc brakes and all of that kind of stuff. The Copo was built for strictly for racing. There is absolutely no frills in it, no radios, no nothing. It's just 427, four-speed, stiff suspension. It was made to race. And where was Copo out of? I, I, I don't heard. know. Okay, because Yanko, I think, was out of New York, wasn't yeah, he? I don't or Connecticut, know. Yeah. someplace there yeah. back east. This particular one is not stock. It's got the LS engine. Okay, and it's a 68 Camaro. Mm-hmm. And we've got the 70 Chevelle Super Sport with the 454. 450 horse. You know, this one is very popular with a lot of the visitors because of the, the color, the striping, and... Yeah. Do you the seventy the seventy oh. Chevy Ultimate. and that and that's that one's all original three ninety six with the uh, Muncie four speed. And then the seventy four Pontiac Trans Am. This looks like a Gen two. I thought that the that seventy three was when they cut off the the Gen two on the Firebirds. Don't know. It must be seventy four. You know what I'm talking about with uh-huh. the way the back windows shaped. Uh huh. Because uh, the after seventy four, I guess I was thinking it was seventy three. After seventy four, they they slanted, slanted that back it. window to where it wrapped around instead of just being in the back. And then this one. <laughs> the one that's not there. This is the Challenger convertible. Okay. I think with the three eighty three, it's a original. Nice car. And then I didn't know. That's the Hemi Cuda, seventy Hemi Cuda, and this one I haven't brought in yet. 
I've been waiting for the weather to change, but this one is a 70 Superbird. Oh, okay. And the Superbird had the big fin on it, the extended front end. Mm -hmm. They were 17 and a half feet long, and they only built, this particular one, they only built 308 of them. Okay. Because it has the 440 six-pack four-speed. Okay, six-pack is... Three, three carburetors. Three, three carburetors, yeah. Six barrels. Yep. Here's another Cougar. A 70 Cougar Eliminator. The GTO. GTO. And this is, oh, this is a Judge tri- a Tribune. Judge. Okay. And some of these things that we're talking, the Judge was another, was another package. It was mm-hmm. set up just for racing. Yep. And it's kind of the collector of collectors with the GTO crowd. Yeah. And a 72 Charger. And a 383 Super, Super B. B. 383. Uh, almost everything in here belongs to my wife and I. All of these. Okay. Yeah, super nice cars. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Plymouth Roadrunner, nineteen sixty nine. This one here was the Gone in sixty seconds. Oh, Chip Foose. He built. He built five of those cars. This is a sixty seven Ford Mustang GT five hundred. He built five of them for the movie. Okay. So when he built this one, he autographed the visors. Okay. And I have pictures of he was the first one to drive around the racetrack. Okay. Wow. And it had the go baby go button and the nitrous in the trunk and uh, Nicholas Cade, Uh that movie. Wow. We got a Chevy Nova uh, 67 Super Sport. Yeah, and this is another one that's street rotted. It's got a 383 stroker in it, and I'm telling you, it just flies. When Bright he, yellow, beautiful. When I it, and it, and it turns greenish tint out in the sun. I can almost see that here. You can see the shades yeah. wanting to turn and as you're looking at it. When I uh, stomp on that one, it just lays you back in the seat. You can't pull yourself away from the seat. Yeah, these old these old Novas have always been a favorite with me too. This is another one that's got the. This is a seventy AAR Cuda with the six pack, and it's got it's got it's green with the black hood. And, well, the whole top of the fenders and everything's mm-hmm. black, and then it's got. Uh, black stripe that's interrupted with green going all the way down the side. Beautiful. And then back here in the corner, you got a, what? An old Dodge power wagon, 55, 55 power Dodge wagon. Power wagon. Those were supposedly the ultimate four wheel drive. Mm-hmm. They were really popular. Does it have now. the winch? Yes, it has the winch yeah. on the front. Extremely popular. And they made those for a lot of years. Uh-huh. I think they, that, that body style was popular for. Like 30 years. A lot of years, yeah. And then a Diamond T uh, logging truck, 1935. Yeah, we built. Diamond was another. They, they did a lot very, of fire engines and a lot of big trucks. Yeah, I built that one 
in the shop over there because it had um, it had a grain box on it. We took the grain box; it was all rotted. We took it off, put the logging bunks on because that's what we were logging company. So. Right? Yeah, you were saying that you owned a logging company and a sawmill and some yeah. of that. Besides all these cars. Yeah, I couldn't have, couldn't have the cars, but in that. Okay, this here's a '65 Shelby Cobra 60, replica. Yeah. And is this one of the Tri Fives, or is this another kit? This is a. This one is one that I'm going to pull the engine out and put the regular 427 in it. Okay. I haven't yet, but it has a 351 souped up. But okay. Um, now, there's a museum down in Phoenix, Arizona. I think it's called Martin Auto Museum. They've got one of the original Shelby Cobras signed yeah. by Shelby with six stinking original miles on it. Oh, my gosh. How do you do that? How do you have something like that in your collection that doesn't have 30 miles on it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think I was at that. I think I was at Bear Jackson when they sold that car. Really? In uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. Years ago or something? Not recently? very long ago. Really? Because mm -hmm. I because I saw this probably yeah. five, six years ago. And I was just yeah. standing there going, how do you have a Shelby Cobra that has six original miles? Yeah. Well, it can be. One thing about um, that, I believe they found a bunch of Shelby Cobras that had never been assembled. Oh, okay. And they found them in some warehouse, and they assembled them, and Carol Shelby oversaw the construction on them and okay. signed them. Okay, that makes a little bit more sense. Mm -hmm. You'll see, I was at the Auburn Museum in Auburn, Indiana, Cord Dusenberg in Auburn, and they've got a tucker in there that's number 52. Yeah, and the little plaque on it says there was only fifty-one tuckers made. But this one was made <laughs> yeah. with parts afterwards. Yeah. And so and and so it's got number fifty-two stamped on it. Yeah. And so it's kind of funny when people are all into one... tuckers and you say, "Yeah, I saw number fifty-two, and they go, "What?" Oh, I'm trying to think if this one was. I had it in my head that this one was autographed by Carol Shelby. Can't remember now. Have this to go is through it this is my favorite T bird. This is your fifty six. Mm -hmm. Little port window in the back. Two seater. The the fifty continental kit. Fifty five, fifty six, and fifty seven were were two seaters. Yeah, basically designed to compete with the Corvette. Yep. And uh, yeah, didn't quite get as popular as the Corvette, but now they are. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Beautiful, beautiful car. And, and the then here's here's one, a little Nash Metropolitan. My yeah. wife's brother, he's a little short guy, and this is still his favorite car in the whole museum. Really? <laughs> is this Metropolitan. Well, I don't know if you're interested. There's four of them, unrestored, sitting on a lot oh. in uh, Thermopolis, Wyoming. Huh? I don't know what kind of price he has on them, but I, between the four of them, you should be able to put one of them together. Yeah. But uh, a body shop down there has them sitting out in front uh -huh. and all lined up. But these here, what there was a board game that had the Metropolitan as one of the game pieces. What what 
Do you remember what I don't? I don't. I keep wanting to think it was life, but I don't know if that's. I can't remember. But uh, yeah, and Nash was another one of those car companies that they kind of got a bad rap Uh in a lot of ways. They came out with basically a bathtub with an engine in it, and everybody always associated Nash with that. But then it turned into the Rambler corporate or was bought up by rambler and then was bought up by amc if i'm correct mm-hmm. i'm thinking that's the way it worked then you got the 55 ford pickup those are always classy and root beer brown yeah what this one beautiful truck is pretty classy outfit i i bought it from a guy in uh, missoula and he had an upholstery shop, so the seats inside are electric and oh, really? everything else. But he he had had it built and then needed the money, and I got a screaming deal on it. But those are actually gold-plated, 14-carat uh, or some damn thing. Uh, wheels? Spoke wheels. Really? And... It's got a souped-up 302, I believe it is. These were really classy-looking trucks, but, yeah. It's, uh... So this has got a 223. So that must have been original. Yeah, original. It's a 302. That's... Beautiful truck. And, uh... Yeah, in fact, when I got it, this fender... Had a little flaw in it, uh-huh. and I took it in and uh, to a body shop in Missoula. It cost me fifteen hundred bucks to match that paint and do that one fender. <laughs> one fender. Then you've got a couple little military vehicles. With Jeep yeah, and a, a one-ton truck. Is that what that is? Yeah. This is an original World War Two. I'm seeing a Corvair and the trailer. Yeah. We're coming up a ramp into another room, and we have a 63 Corvair convertible. Now, I've got a 64 Corvair. Oh, do you? Yeah. Kind of kind of a fun little car. This is a little 900 Monza. Yeah. These the, were again, the, the Corvair was, was air-cooled. Uh, Chevrolet's only foray, I think, into air-cool. But they went for several years, and Ralph Nader is the one that his name's always associated with the Corvair because he wrote a book at Unsafe at Any Speed. <laughs> That's right. Which was later debunked. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, I know. The college, I can't remember where it was in 73 or something, took it through all the tests, and they figured out that Ralph Nader kind of stretched the, the truth on that yep. one a little bit. Yep. But, but it was the death of him. It was. A 37 Fiat. Topolino. Yeah, this one kind be- of a cool one belongs to a guy, and I would really like to get my hands on it and take it and restore it. That's a cute little car. It We're is. talking little car. This thing's smaller than the Volkswagen Bug uh-huh. a bunch. And then we got a 74 City car. The most successful electric car from the standpoint of production quality has been the City car. It was built in Florida. Small two-passenger car had rather strange styling, which now became typical of many small electrics. And it had six-volt drivetrain, and it doesn't say how far it would go. The batteries can be fully charged 400 to 600 times, 
and has a range of 50 miles between battery charges. So, 1974, this little itty-bitty car, I mean, this thing looks like half a gremlin. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have the capabilities of what the Detroit Electric in 1912 no. had. Yeah. And the, and, and the Detroit Electric, as we've already talked, was a big car. Mm-hmm. Then you've got the MG, the 1952 TD. Those are nice-looking little cars. And then the Porsche, 356 A Coupe. This is the dandy. This belongs to a guy, I think he's from Bozeman. That's, yeah. And uh, that's one of the most valuable in here, practically. Those old Porsches are worth quite a bit. Uh-huh. This particular one, it's a couple, at least a couple hundred thousand. And then we've got something I've never seen before. That's a we've 1964 a- Corvette. 1964? Uh-huh. No. See? 64. It's actually a Corvette that a guy... This is a Corvair? Corvette. Corvette, right. But okay. a guy built this car in 1984, I believe it was, and it was in the Corvette magazines as being, an, uh, well, it was like a Jetson car. You yeah. The, Jetsons? It, we're, we're, the, the whole... Uh, Passenger passenger compartment hood lifts up like Um, a bubble. And that unlocks the doors. There's no locks on the doors. The hood holds the doors closed. The thing that's really weird about this is it looks like the 1980 Corvette with the bubble back window Uh and the lines up at the front and everything else look very similar other than it's got a real sharp point to the nose. And there's been a lot of fiberglass work done to this thing. Amazing. And then he put that wow. 671 blower on it. Yeah, this the engine in this thing's just amazing. It's got a 327 in it. Yeah. It doesn't say what the 365 horsepower. 327. Without wow. without the blower. <laughs> I mean it looks a lot like these 73, uh-huh. well, 69 through what 80 is what they were yeah, running this Corvette. body style. Corvette Magazine did a big article on it when he built it in the 80s. And they came back here in the 90s or something. They're both, both magazines are there. Uh-huh. And uh, did another article on it right here, out here on the street. Same magazine. And this is owned by you now? Mm-hmm. Is it fun to drive? I just drove it just a little bit and then put it in here. I bought it just for display. You can't even recognize what it is. No. But it uh, it runs. We had it running. And then is this the Pace Car Edition? Yes. Yes. 78 Chevy Pace uh-huh. Car. 73 Corvette T-Top. 71 That's the twin to the one that's up front being raffled. I had, okay. I had two of them. I had the yellow one and this one. and. Uh, this one has the four-speed. That one up there is an automatic. Right. They're both so beautiful. 66 Corvette. So we're raffling it off 67. Both of those, are 66 and 67, are both convertibles. Mm-hmm. Here's a 67 Coupe Silver with a 427. That thing's got to move. That's probably the nicest one in here. It's been totally 
restored to original. Beautiful. And it's pretty nice. Now, was this a single year model, the 67? Something happened with Corvette in 60. They changed the suspension. Is that what it was? The whole front end is different. Whole different suspension. I was thinking that there was a certain time period in the Corvette history mm -hmm. there that was really a, a rarity to find because there were so few of them made because of, of dialing up something mm -hmm. different or, or body changes, but I wasn't sure. They put a totally new front end on it. 61 Corvette. And then we got the little... Now, this is a really interesting car. This is a BMW. And you enter the car by opening up the whole front end. This car is the size of of a beach ball. Uh, it, it's bigger than a beach ball. And it's when a you two passenger, when you open it up, the steering column and everything comes comes out, out with it. Uh huh. So you can get two people in it, and then you fold then it you back pull in. Pull that whole front end back around you. This thing's made by BMW. Yeah. And it had to be. You didn't worry. If you got in a wreck, you didn't have to worry no. about going to the hospital. <laughs> no. I mean, this thing is, is small. It can't be any more. My arm spread yeah. will take in the whole car, uh -huh. six foot by, by four foot. We drove it in here, and I bought it down in uh, Scottsdale at an auction sale. Okay. And it's only got three wheels. Mm -hmm. It's got one wheel in the back. Does it steer you, from the back? You know, <laughs> that's a strange story about that. My whole life, I wanted one of these uh -huh. since I was a kid because they were three-wheeler. Right. They are not three-wheelers. There's two wheels in the back. Oh, is there really? And I didn't know that till I bought it. Oh, but they're just super narrow. Yeah. I always thought they were three-wheelers. Oh, All nice. my life, I did until I bought and it. Is it front steer? Uh -huh. Front wheel steer? Uh-huh. No, it doesn't either. I, I'm not sure. You almost think that thing could tip over, though, as, as short as those front, or as, as tight as those back wheels yeah. are together. They didn't go very fast, but I think they steer from the front. Here at this museum, something that you don't see at any museum, a Ford van. Yeah. And a, a, the Volkswagen van, maybe more so, but the, yeah. but, but the old vans... Uh, after 1979, they just seem to have totally dropped off the earth. And my wife, and I, I think, think they're cool uh, as all get out. I love my man. Put Scooby Doo on this one, I think. Yes, yep. she did. <laughs> yep. And this here's one that has the engine right between the seats. Uh -huh. Your your feet are sitting out basically on the front bumper. Yeah. Uh, Hot to drive. Yeah. But uh, pretty cool looking looking. I like the vans. Yeah. In fact, I'll have to show you pictures of my van. I got one that I 70 eyes oh, yeah. really badly. It's a 1970 Ford, and, and I've got cheetah carpet in it. And uh, yeah, it's. I'll show you pictures. But uh, it's fun. It's only it, it, you know you go to car shows, and everybody looks at the Chevelles and the Camaros, and they're oh, all yeah. blue on. And they come to the vans, and the cameras come out. They just shake their heads. And, yeah. Kind of like these. That's the, the Carmen Gias. That's the most collectible VW. Is the Carmen Gia. Uh -huh. Yeah. And they were pretty cool little cars, a little sporty looking. We restored that one in our shop. In fact, looks like you got a flat tire. You got a, oh, yeah, you do. And then you got a dune buggy. Again, yeah. Volkswagen. Volkswagen buggy. Power. What is this? This is almost Mad Max. I it, like that. It is. A Mad the Max guy, Volkswagen powered dune buggy. The guy built it. From Bozeman, 
and he built it for that reason, Mad Max. And then when he was getting up in age, he donated it to the museum before he died. I guess they have a big Mad Max uh, festival or something out in southern Oregon or northern Nevada or something yeah. every year. It's kind of been on my radar to go to. It's it's not quite Burning Man, but uh, uh, I've always thought that it'd be a lot of fun to to go see what people would come up with. Yeah, we've got a scooter collection here, Harley Davidson, and a couple little Vespas and Cushman scooters, and then the world's first personal watercraft, 1958 Vincent Amanda Water Scooter 200. It looks a lot like the modern day, uh, uh, what, what do they call those, water, well, yeah, but what's the water, uh, the personal watercraft. Uh, anyway, jet skis, thank you very much. Nothing like having brain death here. Yeah, it looks a lot like the original jet skis, or like the jet skis now. You would stand up, it's got a small seat going down the middle, little handlebar. Uh, pretty cool looking little thing. It says that it went 20 to 25 miles an hour and weighed 125 pounds with a five horsepower motor. An old Tau Ford Museum. Okay. Yeah, that's my first Harley Davidson, 1964, the year I graduated from high school. Last of the six volt kickstart. Suicide shift? I didn't look. No, no. This one had the foot shift. But it was a six volt, so it was a kick start, and they then the next year they went to the electric start. Okay. And then I'm currently I have a Honda 100. I'm going to put back there. I just got through doing, and I'm doing a um, Harley Davidson snowmobile. Oh, really? I didn't know. Everybody made snowmobiles <laughs> back in the 70s, 60s, and 70s. 1970, I think it was. Wow. Yeah, I, one of my my big ambitions is I want to go to Minnesota and Wisconsin. Yeah. And why would a person want to go to those places? Because that's where everything was being built that was strange and, and whatever. It was. The Cushmans, the, mm -hmm. they had tracksters that, that were tracked vehicles that go anywhere. They had... Uh, uh, you know, all the all the major things, all the all major the snow snowmobiles, Hardy yeah. Cat, Polaris, they were all in. Minnesota. Well, and, and then thousands of brands that you don't hear about anymore, uh -huh. you know, the Chaparrals and the Scarules. Yeah. And the, I mean, there were so many, there was a hundred snow machine snow manufacturers machine. back at that time. I used to raise them back in the late, uh, early 70s. Okay. Early 70s when they had the speed ovals. Right. Okay, well, it looks like we've kind of covered most of your museum. I really appreciate your time, Shim, and, and the, no taking problem. it to run us through here and take a look at things. This has been fantastic. Your car collection is unbelievable. I'm so happy that you have it on display for people to see. And right here in Deer Lodge, Montana, right off of Interstate 90, easy access. And that's, the, uh, that's the kick my wife and I get out of it is... People coming in and say, I learned to drive in that. Yeah. My fat, my dad had one of those. Right. Oh, I've always wanted one of those. Yeah. Right. That's my favorite. That's yeah. exactly. And it's, everybody has a different favorite, don't they? Yeah. And in fact, people ask me, what's your favorite? And mine changes. Oh, well, you told us today what your favorite was, but it might be different well, tomorrow. Well, the, the 55, <laughs> 6, and 7s.
They built them to uh, compete in the Daytonas. Right. With Ford and Chevy because they couldn't keep up. And they put that fin on the back of them. And then on the two front fenders, there's the little bubbles on the fenders. Right. People think that's some kind of an air scoop. The fenders are cut out because that fin puts so much force on the front end that the tires actually come up through the fenders. Oh, really? And they could corner that car at 200 miles an hour. So you're going to drive it? Or are you just going to park it? Oh, I drove it. Yeah, I drove it. I've got it in another warehouse over on the other end of town. uh, Yeah, I started up and drive it. It's, Have you tried to corner at 200? No. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it could. And so it just, and they actually took them to court. And said, that's against the law or against the rules to put a fin on the back. I'll have to come back and see that one. Thanks again, Shem. All I right. really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to, to share with us. And the way I usually finish out is I say the world is full of wonders. <laughs> Get out and explore and have a wonder filled day yeah thank you all the rolling go where am i to go meet johnny where am i to go for i'm a young and a sailor lad and where am i to go